in uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confessed and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, you know, God has blessed us with so many good things in this church. Not just in terms of material things, but spiritual blessings. And we have a lot to be good stewards for. Jesus said, to whom much has been given, much will be demanded. So, we need to think about, you know, the, stop thinking about ourselves so much. And the more mature we become as Christians, the more we realize that it's not about me. And I really like, um, thank you, thank you. I really like, uh, you know, Rick Warren in his purpose-driven life. <laughs> in the beginning, he says it's not about you, and that's the uh, that's the basic thing. Um, PJ, can you open that that web browser, the that website? I just want to. I thought this was. Very appropriate. This is Global Rich List. And it says, how rich are you? So every year we gaze enviously at the lists of the richest people in the world, wondering what it would be like to have that sort of cash. Where would you sit on one of those lists? Here's your chance to find out. So can you change it to cash, U.S. dollars, because... So, wait, no, not, not yet. I'm, I'm saying that, you know, maybe the average here, to be modest, we make uh, 30000 a year. So can you enter in 30000 Thank you. Show me the money. So you're in the top 7.16% of the richest people in the world. And, you know... I understand that the cost of living is more here than it is you know, in, in other parts of the world. But I, I just thought it was, a, it was a neat thing to put things in perspective. Thanks. You know, today I'm not, we're not just talking about money because it's not, it's not just about money. And... Um, I want to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 14. 
Luke chapter 14. Here, uh, Jesus is talking about, I mean, sorry, Jesus was invited to the house of a rich, or not a rich, just a prominent Pharisee. Pharisees were the people who were considered very spiritual, and um, there were different, you know, sects among the Jewish people, and the Pharisees were kind of the guys who were very religious and um, Actually, a lot of them actually became Christians later. And uh, usually they were the guys that said, oh, these guys need to be circumcised, you know, and, um, you know, Peter, you can't eat with the Gentiles and stuff. But the Pharisees were very, they, they believed that if you um, followed God's laws completely, then everything would be all right. And they, so they really focused on, following the, the rules and laws of God. So they didn't like Jesus because Jesus, he just seemed to have this free freedom, you know, and, and this uh, liberation about him. And one prominent Pharisee invited Jesus over to his house, and everybody was watching Jesus very carefully because they knew that there was, some ten- there was a lot of tension between Jesus and, and, and the Pharisees. And it was a Sabbath, and there was a man with dropsy there. Dropsy is like um, liquid, you know, comes into the tissues and body cavities and you get, kind of get swollen and it's just like very sick. So the guy was very sick. is obviously very sick. And it was the Sabbath. And usually the, one of the things that the rules that they had is you can't do any work on the Sabbath. So Jesus said, is it right for people to heal on the Sabbath or not? And they didn't say anything. So... He healed, healed the guy. The Bible said he, he touched him. And it would have been dramatic because he was swollen and goes down to normal size. They healed the guy right there. And he exposed their hypocrisy. He said, you know, you guys really need to examine your hearts because you're just, you know, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, and sometimes we can get like that. We are so... Um, we think we're arguing the, the right way, but we don't realize that we're actually fighting against God. You know, when there's, you know, some, uh, there's obvious need, like this guy who has, who's suffering from dropsy, but we would rather him not, not get saved to preserve our own, you know, what we think is right. So we have to be very, that's why we always need to examine ourselves. And that's what Jesus is really trying to, he, he tells them stories, asks them questions to get them to examine themselves. He sees that um, in verses uh, 7 through 11, he, he sees that how they're picking different um, seats, trying to get to the head of the table, because the head of the table is most prestigious. And Jesus says, no, you shouldn't do that. He he. Um, expounds on, I think it's Proverbs 25 or 27, where it says, you know, don't sit at the head of the table, but sit at the bottom so that the the king will call you up. And he says, you guys need to, you know, learn about this. You know, you, he, the one who humbles himself will be, is, and he, um, we should leave it to God to judge our works, not have to boast about it or, or depend on people. Because in the end, God is the one who calls people up, exalts people. 
if we exalt ourselves or somebody puts us in, in some place, but we don't deserve to be there, eventually it's going to be found out what counts is how God judges you. So we need to have a humble and, and low opinion of our, I mean, not, not low self-esteem, but a, a humble opinion of ourselves and let God be the one who places val- place value on us. In verse uh, 12 through 14, basically he's talking about giving to please God and not to please other people. And he's saying, you know, when you invite people for dinner, try to invite the people who won't pay you back. Because he, he's, saying, he's trying to say that, um, you know, what really counts when you give is, is uh, if, are you giving to please God? That's, that's the bottom line of what he's sharing there. And now I want to come to verse, verses 15 through 24, which is the, the, the main, main part that I want to preach on today. And so I, I, I gave the context so that we understand um, the context of this parable, okay? So let's, let's read the, the parable of the great feast, verses 15 through 24. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. Did I miss the guy who bought the field? Anyways, the guy that bought the field and he couldn't come. So verse 24, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So Jesus had a message here for the Pharisees. And what he tells us, had had, it was a specific message for them, but it also informs us about the kingdom of God and about the gospel. If we look at verse 15 through 17, it says, Hearing this, a man sitting at the table, blah, 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 uh, Jesus replied with this story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. So um, he uses this opportunity, he's sitting down at a great feast, to tell them, what, what situation they're in. Basically, he's saying that God has prepared something wonderful for them, and it's finally ready. And they know about it. The invitations have been sent because they are the keepers of the law or of the, the traditions. And God had sent so many prophets to the Jewish people to tell them about the salvation, about the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, now is the time. The banquet is ready. Come, you're invited. So if we look at verse 18 through 20, he says, But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. 
Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. So Jesus said, what he's saying here is that, um, okay, so he, he says that everybody who was first invited gave excuses. They all, they all had some previous acquaintance with this man. And um, they understood that it would be rude to say, sorry, you know what, I just really don't want to come. You know, I, I, I decided I don't like you that much or something. But they, they didn't say that. They just came up with excuses because they had a previous acquaintance with him. They kind of knew, knew who he was and, and, and knew about him, but they, they made excuses to say no. So they provided plausible but, but weak excuses. In truth, these people simply didn't want to come. So um, you have to wonder, you know, was their decision wise? You know, if, we, if Jesus is comparing this to the situation of the Pharisees, right? He's saying that these people, they knew God. They knew God had, had sent out an invitation earlier. He, they knew God was preparing something for them. And then when that invitation was there before them, they rejected it. So this is, uh, this is God's wor- what Jesus was telling to the Pharisees at that time. You know, and if we want to apply it to ourselves, we have to see, you know, how sad it is or how ridiculous or how absurd it seems, you know, for people who know God, know him as their creator and Lord and Savior, but they reject him and they say no to him and they walk away and it happens. People like grow up in the church or or they... You know, they, they, they know God, but just for, for, for some reason, you know, they have some oxen or they bought a new field or they have a new wife. You know, there's something that comes between them and God. And that's really sad. It just makes you realize, wow, that's so absurd. In verses 21 through 24, it says, The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. And invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So Jesus says that the master is still bringing in people from the same town. And we can look at this as, you know, there's still, he's got Jesus after the, of course, the Pharisees knew, knew that he was coming. But then there were a lot of, like, working poor and, and the, you know, disadvantaged, kind of the un- lower classes of the Jewish society. And actually we see from the Bible that a lot of those people responded a lot of those people re- responded to God. Um, finally, let's look at uh, 22 through 24. Here it says, After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So even though a lot, of, a lot of people responded, but there's still room for more. And this is good news for us because we're not Jewish. God intended for all people to, to be saved. He wants all people to be saved. He sent, out, he sent people out to invite everyone into the kingdom of God. God doesn't show partiality between nations. He 
went first to the Jewish people so that we would have an, ex- uh, an understanding of how God relates to people. But in Acts 13, 46 through 48, um, it's okay, I, I got this. Uh, Paul is in, um, I think, Iconium in the synagogue, and then the Jewish people come against him. And he's, Then Paul and Barnabas boldly spoke out and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I will make you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvations to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So you see that Jesus said he sent his servants out to go into the country lanes. So it's to the farthest corners of the earth that that he sent people all the way to Myanmar or I don't know, wherever you can think is of the most remote place. God wants those people to come into the kingdom of God. He's going to send some people out to go, to go bring them in. Go, he said, look behind the hedges. See who you find there. And I can't imagine who else would be hanging out behind the hedges except for like maybe field laborers or maybe some people who, who didn't have a home. You know, he, he's looking for the, even the, low, the lowest classes of people because God doesn't differentiate between nationalities or, or whoever you are. God is no respecter of persons. And God loves the, you know, old drunk guy, you know, maybe a drug addict in, in the streets of Calcutta just as much as President Obama, right? Can you get your mind around that? Can you wrap your mind around that, that God loves all people equally? That's so awesome. So it's interesting to see that actually who ended up going to to that feast. It wasn't even those people that were first invited according to this parable, but it was the people who seemed like the most, the least... uh, you know, the, the, the least fitting, right? And even we can see that here today. You know, we're here in America, and there is a profusion of Christian stuff. We have Christian radio, Christian TV. We've got Christian concerts. You know, we've got Christian bookstores. And that's great. But I'm telling you that the, the rate of return on all that, I think, is, is, is it should be a lot more. And the, I think a part of it has to do with that, you know, all of those people, they, none of them said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm working like 10 jobs and, you know, I got to feed my family or I haven't eaten in a week or none of them gave those excuses. They gave excuses like, I bought, just bought some land, bought five yoke of oxen, you know, I just... I'm happy with my new wife. You know, we're enjoying going out together, you know, going on vacations. You know, I think that, you know, prosperity, it can harden our hearts towards God. Because when you come to God, you realize I'm not Lord of my life any longer. You know, I don't deserve to be. I, God is my rightful Lord. But you see, the people that don't have much in this world, they have the least they're the most ready to accept the gospel. We can see that from the example of Myanmar, right? 
And I'm sure there's, there's many people else out there, there they, they want the gospel. They're hungry for it. You know, I've experienced that, that um, when we, my, my wife and I were in Washington, D.C., you know, I was amazed that we, we were able to um, speak to people from, I mean, reach out to people from China. And these guys, they were PhDs, but they were eager to know the gospel. They were hungry to know the gospel spiritually. And they were willing to listen to a 22-year-old kid who just had an English major, you know, and these guys are PhDs working at the NIH, and they, they want to, they, they're hungry for the gospel. There is a hunger for the gospel, a hunger for, the, for God's word, a hunger to tell, tell people the good news. So it's encouraging and it's challenging to think that such an opportunity exists. So there are many people to, ready to receive Christ but have never heard about what Jesus did for them. And the logical next question is, you know, who is going to go tell them? Who's going to be the, the, those servants who go out into the lanes to go look for the people, look behind the hedges? And Jesus said, and urge them to come. You know, at first they might be like, oh, wait, who are you? What are you talking about? There's a, great, there's a big feast in the town. It's like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not ready. I, I'm, I'm just a poor guy. Are you, you mean that other guy? He said, urge them to come in. How do you urge people? You don't just say, hey, you know, see, Christian necklace. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not that. It's like, hey, brother, hey, sister, God loves you. You know, I want to do everything I can to tell you God loves you, not just with my words, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to do everything I can to let you know that God loves you, that God has a good thing for you. He's invited you to his great feast, to the kingdom of God. You urge them. You take down their phone number. Just pretend like, you know, uh, you know, you're a teenager, you know, in, on your, with your first crush, you know. You, you could, like, you know, write them notes and stuff. You've got to urge, urge them, okay? Some of you guys, you know, I, I like watching these guys, and I'm, like, you know, pursuing girls, or sometimes pers- girls pursue guys, but most of the times it's the guys, and I'm thinking, like, yeah, you got good skills, evangelistic skills there. You just, uh, the, the wrong application, you know? <laughs> Yeah, we, we just need to direct that energy, you know, <laughs> towards something else. Jesus wants these people to come here in the church. Come on, folks. Don't tell me that, oh, I don't know what to do. When it comes to it, you know what to do. You know, you got to call those people up. You know, you got to lay it down to show them, oh, it's not convenient. You know, I was, I was way up, up, way too late. Sorry, I can't give you a ride. That's, that's not what, this, what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about he wants everybody to come in, and he has a place for each person who is going to respond. There's, there's not going to be any empty chairs, and there's not going to be any, anybody standing either. He has a place for everyone who's going to respond. I want to, we're going to have a, 
opportunity to give toward the work in Myanmar out of our finances. But first, before we do, I want to reiterate, like Neil and Mary Jo and, and um, you know, that we believe here in this church that it's not about money. And here, this is from Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor was uh, the, the founder of China Inland Missions. He lived about like 1850, 1900, and he was, um, he was responsible for really pushing the Christian gospel into the deep, deep part of China, not just on the coast. Before, missionaries had just been on the coast. He was like, no, we're going to go in there. And then he's, he went to visit, uh, he was sick, had to go back to England, and God gave him his, the vision for, for that, that, um, that organization. And when he was there, he spoke at a small church. And he told them, I don't want, I don't want you to take any, any money collection tonight. And he said, this is the reason he said, he said, my wish was not that those present should be relieved by making such a contribution as might then and there be convenient under the influence of a present emotion, but that each one should go home burdened with the deep need of China and ask God what he would have them to do. If, after thought and prayer, they were satisfied that a pecuniary contribution was what he wanted of them, it could be given to any missionary society having agents in China. But that perhaps in many cases, what God wanted was not a money contribution, but a personal consecration to his service abroad, or the giving up of a son or daughter, which is more precious than gold or silver, to his service. I added that I thought the tendency of a collection was to leave the impression that the all-important thing was money, whereas no amount of money could convert a single soul. That what was needed was men and women filled with the Holy Ghost that should give themselves for the work. For the support of such, there would never be a lack of funds. So even if we don't give a cent here, God is going to carry on his work. Because all he needs is is people who lay down their lives and say, Lord, I'm willing to do it. So I want to challenge you folks. Yeah, it's good for us to give because that's what we ought to do. But don't let that just be like like a release, you know, and like, well, I'm glad I did something at least. Because God wants you. He has the great commission is for all people. Okay? And we, I'm not saying that all of us need to go, but all of us need to seriously consider what can we do best? How can we best manage our resources? Be a good steward that we can give a good report to our Lord. You know, in some cases, it, you might be, uh, it might be impossible, but you can raise your kids up. You can tell them about the need in other countries. You can tell them that, hey, you know what? It's good for you to go to college and stuff, and I want you to succeed in life. But what's more important, I want you to succeed in God's sight. You know, I'm, I pray that my daughter will, will have a heart for God, that she will want to be f- full-time in God's work. You know, we can, we can give prayers, prayers like Neil and Mary Jo said, you know. And, you know, if, if you feel burdened, God can put a, a call in, in your heart. And it, you don't have to be, um, 
you know, necessarily go to seminary or anything. In fact, I was sharing with um, somebody that I, I thought that if you can be in a care group, get trained in a care group, start a care group, and then move it to the time when it split, it moves into two care groups, you're pretty well prepared already in terms, in terms of being prepared to be a missionary. You know, you may not appreciate it, but we're training you here in this church. This is missionary training. You know, if you can't love your brothers and sisters here, how are you going to expect to love those people who don't like you, don't want to hear what you have to say in other countries? If you can't lay it down here, how do you expect to go through the, you know, the, um, the pain and sacrifice that you're going to face? You know, let's not fool ourselves. We have to do what we can here and get trained. Let God break us and change us and mold us. And then we can be used by him. What counts is, is, your, is your heart willingness. You're holding on. You're, you're saying, Lord, I want to do it. Whatever it costs, you change me to, do, to be like this. You ready me. You prepare me. You train me to do like this. And he's going to do it. He's going to bring situations into your life and difficulties that's going to prepare you for the future. And you may say, oh, it's too difficult. Ah!" You know, but sometimes he's got to like twist it around to get it right. Because if he puts you in too early, it's going to be bad. Okay, brothers and sisters, I just want to give the time over to Pastor Lau. And I I really thank you for... um, you know what what we're trying to do and 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 you're agreeing with with everybody together in this congregation that we are going to do our utmost to further the great commission right and it's it's it is local too we need to do things here if we don't do things here how can we expect to do things over there right we need both okay well, we're we're called to fulfill the great commission in this church Okay, so I, I really, this is, I think, um, this is our heart, you know. And I could keep talking for a few more hours, I'm sure. <laughs> but I want to give it over to Pastor Lau. I think we're going to take an offering. I believe that um, the video, the sharing, and the word of God touch your heart to change you to see different perspective of life. You know, I noticed one thing that um, many times we just too busy and too discouraged about the things around us and we just focus on the minor, minor thing. That person doesn't smile at me. That person doesn't do this for me. And what happened? The world is suffering right now. People don't know the Lord. People are dying, going to hell every single day. They suffer. We have so much here in America. But we just offended by that person. We get mad at that person in the church. And we just spend time, spending energy, getting offended all the time and, and get upset all the time. But that's why I agree that it's not about me. It's about the Lord and it's about other people out there that they're going to hell and they're in suffering. And we, have a, we, we need to really start to live our our life outside our own box and say, how am I going to do it? 
to get people saved. How I can I do it to get people really come to know the Lord and really touched by the love of God? I believe that everyone in the world need to be touched by God's love to see that God is so real. Even I myself need to be touched by the love of God. Can you imagine? People out there in Myanmar, people out there in um, uh, other country, uh, they need to be touched by the love of God. And giving finances is one of the tangible ways that we can tell them that, you know, you are not forgotten. God loves you. People in Seattle who don't know you love you. We're going to help you build a building. We're going to buy that land for the uh, orphanage. And we're going to help you. We can help you buy the Bible. Help you to have a better life so that the gospel will go faster. And people in Myanmar will see that Christians are loving people and helping other people. Amen. I was so impressed today. I just went to my mailbox and I got this envelope from a doctor at Evergreen Hospital. She get into my Facebook and saw the picture of Myanmar. She sent me a check, and she's not a Christian. She sent me a check, $500, for Myanmar. And this is not, she is not a believer. But she want to help the poor out there. When she saw the picture, she said, I want to get involved. I want to send money to your church. And this is amazing. Even those people who don't know Christ, they give a lot of money. To help, and and how about people who know Christ? Are we are willing to help those people? You know, I really agree with Pastor Tyson that we all need to get involved in in, in world mission. Go to the bus stop, evangelize in Seattle, get involved in the world mission. Do anything you can. I do my best. I fly to Thailand, and it's, I tell you, when I get up on the airplane last week, my flesh tell me, this is not fun. Hard, not my own bed anymore. I'm gonna suffer in the airplane. I'm gonna suffer in in uh, with jet lag in Thailand. I'm gonna have to go out country to to suffer out there. But you know, it's not about me. It's about the gospel. Somebody need to bring the gospel to somewhere, and we need to really spread the gospel all over the world. And we need to get involved to do something. Start thinking about me, but thinking about the Lord and the lost out there. If you can do like that, you will be so happy. A lot of people are not happy because they think about themselves a lot. Too much about themselves. Oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. Oh, poor me. They don't smile at me. They hurt me in this church. No, it's not about me. It's about the loss out there, about the world. Look outside. Amen. I just want to encourage all of you to be that kind of Christian. The Christian that think about other people. Think about people who don't have people who don't have the opportunity to hear the gospel and forget about your position in the church. Oh, they don't appoint me to be this, num- this position. I get mad, I don't do this anymore. No, it's not about position. It's about the gospel, about the great commission. Amen? So we need to have the right perspective as Christians and just start to look outside. The world needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And I feel so privileged that we can be a part of, you know, participating in Uganda, that um, Calvin and Dorothy are helping the people over there, and one day we're going to have them come up and speak too. Uh, we are setting up the time, and we are involved in Myanmar, one of the poorest countries in the world, and they, they need the gospel, they need love from us. Let them sense the love from New Hope International Church. Amen? Let them see that 
Christ still loved them through our tangible giving, tangible action of love. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of blessing and showing love to people in Myanmar, Father. We know, Lord, that this money is going to go and bless so many lives there. Father, we pray that revival will happen in Myanmar. Lord, you shall move your mighty hand there. And many lives, multitudes of people will come to know the Lord. In Jesus' name, bless everyone who give today, Father. Change all of us by the Word and the Holy Spirit to be disciples of Christ who live our life for the Great Commission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Write a check to New Hope International Church and we will send this money to Myanmar. many cars, many houses, many, 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 many get into debt, get into the debt into the credit card, have more and more and more and more, you will not be able to do great, great commission. Live your life below the mean. If you can buy the house at $300,000, buy the house two hundred fifty, so that you can have some to help other people. If you stretch yourself to the point that your house payment is going to be almost 70-80% of your income. You're not doing anything. You just keep making the bank rich. And you're in trouble. Because you keep paying your debt. I and my wife decided to live below our mean. Amen. We don't have a boat. We don't have an airplane. Our house is a nice house. But I tell you, my house is below the mean. Most neurosurgeons live on the waterfront. Big homes millions of dollars we live our, below our mean so that we can do the great commission so that we can have time so that we can have money to go out and fly and do a lot of things don't get stuck with this mentality in America we need to have more debt buy more buy 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 and get into more and more debt that is the plan of hell Just deny yourself sometimes you like that Maybe you say, no, I don't need it. I, I don't want it. It's not necessary for me. I just walk by. I don't buy it. Learn how to say no to material things. And I believe that God can use you more. I just feel the Holy Spirit tell me to say this to all of you. Amen. 
Sometimes you need to come to the practical point about how to live our life for the gospel. It's to live below your means, have leftover money to do the great things for God. You don't need to work five or five or ten jobs to pay your bill. Amen. So you can have time to serve the Lord. Amen. Happiness is not about material. Happiness is in here to do to fulfill what God called us to do. It's not about materials. Amen. I'm so happy when I went to Thailand this time to see all the great thing happen there. When people get touched by God, when people, oh, that is better than money and materials to to be able to do what God called me to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's stand up and pray. Father, use this church, Father, to impact the nations for you. We believe, Father, that you are coming back. For the banquet of the groom and the bride, you are the groom and we are the bride, and you ask us, Lord, to go out to invite more people to come in. Father, help all of us to be wise in how to spend our money, how to manage our finances and time. Use our life, Father. To be your vessel to go out and tell the world, invite people to come into the kingdom of God. Father, we bless you. We want to live this life worthy of the gospel. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to each other and say, "May God use you to invite a lot of people to come into the kingdom of God." Amen. Use you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.